This is Tony Warner, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. My name's Matt Wachler, and would you believe it, we've only gone and won away at Everton in what I can only describe as our best performance of the season. Josh Madger scored both of our goals in his first start for the club, ending our torrid run at Goodison Park. And whilst we're still seven points adrift of safety, a little bit of hope has finally been restored, I think. Joining me to look back over the game and also ahead to Wednesday night, six points are away at Burnley, are Ben Robinson and Will Oakley. Let's crack on, lads. Fulham. So there was quite a buzz in our team chat before the game once the lineups were announced. Obviously, Josh Madger started, Alexander Mitrovic was missing apparently because of Covid. And Gisa missed out again, as did Anthony Robinson. I felt at the beginning of the game like it was a bizarre lineup, plus a bench full of defenders too. Firstly, Ben, what did you make of it before the game? And give me your thoughts on how we played. Yeah, I think I thought the same as everyone to start with. Um, it made absolutely no sense. Uh, there was a lot of players missing that we thought should be there. Um, you know, Mitro suddenly out of it because of COVID makes you start questioning whether it's really that or if there's something else going on behind the scenes. But um, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was going to be an absolute shit show, to put it nicely. Um, yeah, I did as well. I, I was really surprised that Aina was playing at left-back because I thought, we've got a left-back on the bench. Joe Bryan's nowhere to be seen. And this week in our team chat, we've kind of been talking about potentially having Bryan and Robinson playing down the left at the same time like they did at Wolves. So to to see neither of them on the pitch was a big surprise. And then you start thinking, well, if Anguise is not playing, for me, he's been one of our better players this season. What is going on? And obviously with Mitrovic being out as well. Um, and I, I put in the team chat before the game that if we somehow got anything out of this game, then it's got absolutely nothing to do with tactics. But actually, I take that back because we were outstanding from start to finish, Will. Yeah, well, yeah 100%. I mean... Aina at left back, it's interesting, you know. I, I know he's played on the left in Italy a bit when he was at Torino, but we've I think we've seen him play there once and he was atrocious. But you know, he was really good today. And I thought it was gonna be a four, two, three, one. I think most people did with kind of Loftus cheek behind Madger and Bobby and Lookman out wide. But actually it was a four four two, which I've been saying for, for ages. I don't wanna blow my own trumpet but I have been saying 4-4-2 is the way to go I, I really like 4-4-2 I think it's just the most balanced formation and I think Bobby Reed and Madger worked really well up top you know they played they played well off each other and although right wing isn't Loftus-Cheek's main position I didn't think he was terrible there and obviously he's there for a reason he plays a part and although Lookman's decision making again isn't always there I feel like he's kind of someone who you need to be on the wing and drive us forward into attack See, I'm not sure if it was 4-4-2 or not. It's really difficult to tell because sometimes the players interchange. So you'd find Bobby Reid out on the right at times, you find him out on the left, and then you find him up top as well. So it is quite it is quite difficult to kind of say we were just playing this one standard formation. Um, but for me as well, looking at the players that we picked, it didn't look like the most balanced lineup either. There was a lot of right footers. And it, it's before the game, I thought... This is Scott Parker just having another roll of the dice and picking a, another different eleven and trying to get a result. But he clearly knows more than I do, and and all of us do. What do you reckon, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I thought you might have been looking at a sort of free hit 
sort of like the Arsenal game start of the season, the first game where it was just it doesn't matter what happens, you know, it, we're not expecting to get anything. We never get anything at Evan. Um, so it doesn't matter. Just go out there and change it up a bit, have a bit of fun. But I think he's actually Park's learning. It's scary. I don't know what's going on. He, he actually seems to to be learning from his mistakes. I don't think there's any such thing as a free hit at this stage of the season now for us. It's it's really shit or bust in every single game because all the teams around us are picking up points. You know, Burnley won at, um, at Crystal Palace. And Crystal Palace are one of those sides where you kind of look at them and think, could we catch them? But I think they've got 11 more points than us at the moment. And whilst they seem to be in free fall, they've, they've probably just about got enough to get over the line. Um, and then West Brom getting a point against um, Manchester United today, which was unexpected as well. So it was it was such a massive win for us. Anyway, let, let's move on. Let's let's talk about the game. So we made an excellent start. Loftus Cheek failed to convert a one on one early on, um, which I think may have been given as offside anyway. Josh Madger fired over the bar from close range with the ball slightly behind him. Then Bobby Reed hit the post. Um, Aina couldn't finish the rebound from that, although it was a lovely little flick from Bobby Reed at the near post that kind of looped up over the keeper's head and hit the inside of the post. And then shortly after that, Harrison Reed almost got his first goal for the club too. It was a really decent start to the game, but it, it did start to feel to me like it was a little bit like that West Brom away game the other week where we just weren't capitalising on our chances. Yeah, but but look, we got there eventually, didn't we? And that's that's the most important thing. I, I just think it was this has been definitely the most attacking performance of the season for me, e- even more so than West Brom. But that might just be because we kept it going for the full 90. But I just thought the first half we were great and we were really unlucky and luckily it didn't happen like it happened against West Brom where we came out in the second half and flopped in the second half we were better than we were in the first half and even even after we scored the first goal we were still pushing forwards and that's something that we haven't seen a lot this season i think harrison reed was exceptional today i think he was probably one of the the driving factors that kind of got us to the win usually he plays deeper but today he he pushed forward he wasn't afraid to, to play a long pass or dribble forward rather than just playing little short passes. I think he was really good and he controlled the play, you know, the link between defence and midfield and attack and all, all of it, really. Yeah, I think Harrison Reed was literally everywhere today. Every time the ball was getting played about in the middle of the park, he was there. He must be absolutely knackered tonight. He's deserved a few beers after that, I think, and the Chinese with Scotty P maybe. But, um, it, you know, like you said, well, after that first goal going forwards, we haven't really seen that this season. Under Parker in general, since he's took over, we've always sort of sat back. We always thought, well, one nil. Then we had that record until United, where it was score a goal, stay in, stay in the leader, or you know, you don't lose until United game it was the first game we lost. But I think he's realised we need to win, and to win in the Premier League, you need to score goals. And I think like the change of tactics today, and the fact that once we've scored, we keep going with more attacking and keep it going for the entire game. It, it's kind of showing that. Well, Adam Ola Lutman was back on his own old stomping ground at Goodison Park and he missed a really good chance when he kind of hit the ball into the ground after a lovely flick from Bobby Reed in the first half. There really were some excellent openings in that half and some poor finishing. But you guys have just touched upon it there. We, we just looked far more attacking and far more consistent going forwards. What do you put that down to, Will? Uh, I think kind of what Ben said, to be honest, about it's the Premier League, you know, Parker's learning. You can't just be cautious the whole season. I mean, it, it would have been great if he realised this sooner. And hopefully if he just carries on, we, we might just be able to stay up. Uh, but I just think 
there's no point being cautious now. You know, we've got nothing to lose. We're in the relegation zone. It's not like we we need to get draws to stay out of the relegation zone. We need to get wins to get out of the relegation zone. That That's the difference here. And I think that's what Parker's realising. And, you know, today it was just so free-flowing. He just, he put the team out there. He told them what to do. They knew what they were doing. They knew their positions. It just looked like they knew what they were doing everywhere in the pitch. And even, I think the fact we scored two is the biggest shock. But we also kept a clean sheet against a really good side. You know, they've got James Rodriguez. He was popping off at Real Madrid a few seasons ago. And we've just held them to zero goals. That's unbelievable from defence and obviously to score two from the attack as well. We rarely looked under any pressure though, did we, Ben? I mean, they they were they were... I guess, attacking us a little bit in the second half, but there wasn't at any point in that game where I thought we're under the cosh here, we're we're under pressure. If anything, I felt like we might go and get a third. Yeah, I mean, you look at their main attacking outlets, of course, Calvert-Lewin's injured, but even so, they've got some great players like Wilmot touched on there, Hamas Rodriguez, um, Lucas Digne down the left. He's been one of the most creative players all season. And that battle, I think, between Tete and Digne was, it, it was, Great to watch because Teddy basically said to him, "Well, if you're going to come at me, I'll come back at you," sort of thing. Um, and and he just he, he gave him a bit of his own medicine. Went in hard early on and said to him, "You know, I'm not here to get rolled over. We're we're going to come at you." And I think as the entire Fulham eleven today said, "We're going to come to play football and we're going to play our best." I think Kenny Tete had an excellent game, as you say. That that battle with Digne was was excellent. But there was a there was a tackle in particular in the second half where um, I think it was Josh King was heading towards the corner, and the the pair of them were kind of going shoulder to shoulder, and he he kind of he got the advantage um, to get the ball, and then he finished it off with a with a lovely little hook around with his leg, and just got away from Josh King as well. It was, it was excellent, and we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but Josh King. Obviously, with the whole Fulham or Everton thing the other week, um, I felt sure that he was going to come on and have a, have a say in this game, um, but but thankfully he didn't, and he didn't he didn't really get a sniff apart from uh, an off an offside goal. Um, so let's come on to our goals then. Right after half time, we're just starting to think. Well, Everton are going to be much better in the second half. They're going to be stronger, like West Brom were the other week. We're going to be up against it. We're going to have to ride a storm here. But actually, it was us that ended up taking the lead. Um, Ola Aina put it on a play for Josh Madger and he couldn't really miss, could he, Will? No, he could not. That is a striker's goal and that's what we've been begging out for. I, I can't remember, I think it was on BT Sport where they were talking about the uh, goals. Oh, no, actually, I think it was Full and Focus podcast last week. You guys were talking about the uh, goals in six-yard box and I think we were bottom of the league on one. And, you know, today we were just getting in those positions and that's where both of, I think, or at least around the six-yard box, that's where both of Madger's goals came from. And that's a proper striker's goal. That's where you want your striker to be. He, You know, like I think, Frenchie, you said it on the chat, Cavalero wouldn't have run in to get that rebound. But but Madger was there and that's how we got both our goals. That's how we need to be playing for the rest of the season. Well, he certainly made a case not to be dropped. I mean, I, I was a little bit sceptical about him. And I know you and J-Mac, you were, you were like, yes, get him in, get him in. And I'm, I said, well, he's never played in the Premier League before. He played like five minutes the other day for us against West Ham when he came off the bench. But what makes you think that he's going to be the one that, that gets us out of this? But today, what a way to endear yourself to, to your new club. I know he's only on loan, but to go and score two goals at a ground where you've never won before in, in the league 
Um, I think our last, our only win, um, or our last win at, at Goodison Park was in the FA Cup in the um, in in 1975 when when we made the final. But that that's a hell of a a hell of a return. Um, and Ben, let's let's come on to the second goal. Um, Josh Madger was on hand again to make it two 0 with 25 minutes left. Harrison Reed had a shot from outside the box, which was parried onto the post by the Everton keeper. And it rebounded back out to Madger, and he was just in the right place at the right time again. Exactly, yeah. I mean, both of those goals. I mean, I'd score them in Saturday League. Like, they're not harder goals to score. You know, they're not world class finishes, but he's in the right place at the right time, and that's what we haven't had this season. We haven't had someone there to put that chance away. Um, so the fact he's come in and he's done that twice in one game, and, and for that second goal, I think the keeper probably should have done better. He, he's just tipped it onto the post, but you know, he, he's there. Two strikers running in to finish it off, and there was no defender there to finish it off. And he he seemed to fit in well, like the the way he is positioning and the way he was moving around the pitch. He he seemed to fit in well with our front line. And I think that's the sort of player we've been missing, definitely. We've been missing any sort of player who can stick the ball in the back of the net. So that you know, to, it's Everton as well. Everton are fighting for the top four, so it really is a, a an outstanding result and a result i did not see coming and again as i said in the team chat before the game once i saw that lineup this has got 3 no everton written all over it so what the hell do i know great stuff um josh madger was denied his chance for a hat trick when he was replaced by caballero with 18 minutes left 10 minutes later Angita came on for Lookman and we saw the return of the piece of paper that got passed round i think it ended up in bobby reed's sock this time Love to know what it says on that. Steve McManaman reckoned it said Happy Valentine's Day. But yeah, there you go. Um, I, I guess bit, bring. So I think Steve McManaman's a bit for our time, isn't he? <laughs> um, I, I guess bringing on another defensive minded player made sense at this stage. And then, of course, Josh Onoma came on for Mario Lamina in injury time, too. Any complaints about the substitutions or the timing of the substitutions, lads? No, not for me. I mean, it would have been nice for Madger to get his hat trick, but at the same time, when you're two new up and he's just he's brought a new light into the team, you want him available for the next game and for the rest of the season, really. So if we're winning and he's already scored, I have no complaints about taking him off, really. None at all. Yeah, I think Parker's he's, he's learnt his lesson again. Um, for this Bringing people on too late, well, look at the West Brom game, uh, Big Sam changed it. At half time, and we just didn't adapt to it. But you know, this he sort of preempted what's going to happen. He saw that Everton made a change, they brought Hammers Rodriguez off, and he thought, I'm going to make some changes, um, knowing we're not going to have much of the ball. And Manchester's probably running to the ground, the poor lad. Um, but yeah, absolutely no complaints. And a word on Scott Parker, then I mean, he's you know, come under a lot of criticism. We were talking about potentially replacing him in the last couple of podcasts. Um, there's an argument to say, is anybody really going to come in and make any difference at this late stage? Two wins going into this game all season. And and now he's he's kind of, he's got a grip on the job again, hasn't he, Will? Yeah. And look, I, I've stuck by him all season. I, I Obviously, I have been sceptical recently of the recent results because the, they haven't been great and it's not been fun to watch. But I still stand by what I said at the start and I don't, I don't want him to go. Uh, I think he can help us next season if we do go down. But I still think he has a chance to keep us up. And I think if he keeps going like this, it, he's realised that this works now. Surely he must have. 
it does it does depend what happens after this match. You know, we've got Burnley next, then Palace, then Sheffield United. Those are three massive games. Can we kick on from here though, Ben? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it's probably aside from the top six, the next game we've got is probably one of the harder games in the Premier League. Away to Turf mm. Moor. Away to Turf Moor. Away to Burnley at Turf Moor. Um, mm. Our record there is terrible, uh, as we're going to cover later. But that it, we don't win there. So if we can go there and get a win after winning at Goodison for the first time ever in the Premier League or in the first division or any division, I think, apart from the FA Cup that like yeah. you mentioned, um, if we can go to Turf Moor and get a win, I think we'll have really turned the corner. And then suddenly we've got Palace and... Who have we got for yeah, that, two it, no, it's, Sheffield, it's Sheffield United next weekend, I think, isn't it? And then it's Crystal Palace after that. Uh, you're looking into those two games, if we if we get something away to Burnley, and then looking into those next two games, it's really I was looking looking good, isn't it? All of a sudden, well, that then, might be then, positive, but then it's yeah. Liverpool away. It's Liverpool away, and everyone beats Liverpool. Oh, we can do them. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> They've conceded more than us this season. <laughs> um, all right, let's come on to a man of the match for the Everton game. Then, who are you picking, Will? I think. Madger and Tete for me are really close and Adrobio, but I'm going to actually say Harrison Reed. I thought he was involved in all of the goals. Obviously, he got, uh, obviously, Madger got his rebound, but also he won the ball back for the first goal. And he was just involved in everything today, attacking and defensively. He showed, I think there was a new side to him today in the attacking front. So for me, yeah, Harrison Reed. Yeah, I think you could probably make a case for about seven or eight players today for that man of the match. But for me, it was between Reed and Tete, and I'd probably give it to Harrison Reed, purely because, like I said, he was everywhere. The ginger Kante, um, popping up, doing bits all over the shop. Uh, these are He's going to carry us to survival. I'm calling it now. Well, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I, I'd agree with you as well. I was going to say Harrison Reed. Um, I don't know who they picked on telly. I just turned it off at, at the end of the game, and we've just come on to record straight away. But... For me, yeah, Harrison Reed was everywhere. Defensively, he did a good job. He was pressing really well. And yeah, like Will said as well, just a, a, in an attacking sense, um, it, it's a, an element to his game that perhaps we haven't seen before. Um, maybe we don't get to see that because more often than not, he plays alongside Anguissa. And Anguissa is the one that has more uh, free reign to run forward. But, you know, all the while he's he's getting in those types of positions. I mean, he almost scored an absolute weldy in the first half. I, I thought it was in. And then it, he'll get the assist, I guess, for that second goal as well, which was parried onto the post. So, yeah, out, outstanding performance from Harrison Reed and delighted for him. So, yeah, three Harrison Reeds. All right, let's 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 come on to a Scott Parker racing then. Um, I'm in two minds about, about this, so um, I'll let you guys go first. Um, ten. For me, yeah, I think it was perfect. I mean, look, there were people skeptical about the lineup, and so was I. Aina at left back, whilst we have Robinson and Brian at our disposable, still does seem mental. And the four four two, I still think four four two is good, but we've never really played it before. We've gone from a five back to a four back in the space of two games, you know, really quick. Um, but yeah, he got everything right, and clearly he knew what uh, knew what he was going to do, and. We shut Everton down so well. So, yeah, it's a 10 for me. You just just um, mentioning the four, five to the four. We've gone from four to five, back to four. And it, it's almost like at the start of the season, we were terrible, leaking goals, scoring a few. Now we're saying, if we went to five at the back and suddenly, oh, great, we can keep a clean sheet. We can't keep clean sheets, but we don't let many in, but we're not scoring. And now suddenly it's 
right, we've got to go for it. We've got a good centre-half pairing now, solid back four, let's go for it. And I think Parker's, yeah, he's, for me, nine, I'll give him a nine, not a ten. No one's perfect. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't. I can't. I can't give him a, a, a ten because I I didn't agree with the starting lineup. Although I was wrong, but I just I I'm I've got quite a logical way of thinking. That's how my brain works, and I I like to see. I like to understand why people are where they are, and I don't understand what the thinking was behind Laina playing at left back. I don't understand why um, Anguissa was on the bench and why Lamina played, really. And, you know, Lamina, for me, he tries too many clever flicks and doesn't doesn't really do the simple stuff um, as often as I'd like to like to see him do that. Um, defensively, we were outstanding. And obviously, in that in that sense, we've, we've come on in leaps and bounds, haven't we, um, in the last few months. Um, but for the result and, and the performance... I guess, yeah, it's going to have to be a nine. I mean, I never saw us beating Everton. I would never have said that in a million years. And certainly not when I saw the lineup that he picked. So for it to have all come together and for Scott Parker to have got the best of Carlo Ancelotti's outstanding. So yeah, nine out of 10 for me. All right, let's look ahead to the Burnley game on Wednesday night then. Fulham. Right, so we've got Stato's stats to have a look at really quickly. Um, before we before we look at lineups and score predictions, etc. So, Ben, what have you got for us? Great. So, I've got some stats from Burnley this season and from last season. So, just quick comparisons last season. Um, they're getting less points per game this season. Um, considering exactly the same amount. They've hardly changed there, but they're scoring 0.7 to 1.1. Uh, the clean sheets, they're keeping clean sheets in over one in three games. Yeah, so as I've just mentioned, uh, this season, Burnley are getting fewer points than last season and they're scoring less goals. But as the Burnley that we all know and not really love, they're conceding very few and the grinding results out. They, they've just got that noose, I think, at this point in time. They know how to win in the Premier League. Uh, this season, they've won seven games, four of them coming at Turf Moor, so the home advantage isn't huge for them. But all of their home wins have come from one goal winning margins. And of those goals, when they've scored first, they've taken a lead 10 times this season, that is. And they've only conceded an equaliser on two occasions, which shows you know, when they get in the lead, they stay in the lead. It's reminiscent of the Fulham have never lost when they've gone to the lead under Parker sort of stats. Mm-hmm. But when they have conceded first this season, which is 15 times, they've only managed to score an equaliser on four occasions, which shows that the first goal in this game will be crucial. 41% of their goals this season have come from set pieces. And they've had the lowest pass accuracy. So I'll do that bit again. 41% of their goals this season have come from set pieces. And they have the lowest pass accuracy in the Premier League with 71.4%, which kind of backs up that sort of narrative of they just like to lump it long to a big bloke up top who puts it in the back of the net. That is what they they do, though, isn't it? They've they've always done that. But I quite fancy our centre-halves to deal with them. What do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, you look at our centre ask Anderson, who's you know big physical presence, and you add a buyer who's he was a bit gangly, but he's he's a big lad, and he he seems to win everything in the air. I mean, he always yeah. looks like he's going to fall over, a bit like Bambi, but he always seems to to do his thing and get rid of the ball. Um, and you know, mentioning that, no team has won more aerial duels than Burnley, twenty two point seven a game. We're ninth with sixteen point eight, so I think we're going to be tested on that sort of region this mm. game. Um, 
against them this season, they've had the second most shots in the Premier League with 14.7 shots against them per game. Which, um, I mean, the way we've been playing now, attacking football recently, they've been leaking shots. I mean, it's all there to play for, really. All the stats are pointing towards a big, physical, close game. And I, I do fancy us to, to sort of come away with it. Yeah, so on to players. England keeper Nick Pope has played in all but one game for Burnley this season and he's arguably the most consistent English keeper in the Prem. Uh, no keeper has made more saves within the penalty area than Pope this season with 55 saves. Ariola's fifth on the list with 44. Uh, Tarkowski is having another great season. 95 clearances this season, placing him fourth on the leaderboard for most clearances. But as you said earlier, Ben, Tosin gets the job done and he has the first most clearances in the league with 106. Didn't uh, um, was, it, was it West Ham that wanted Tarkovsky in the summer and they were, the, Burnley said that they can have him for 50 million? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> they love their centre-backs and Ben Mee as well, who obviously club captain, he's been there for ages and he's blocked the most shots in the league. Uh, he did get stretched off on the weekend against Palace, so we may see Kevin Long come in to replace him. And he did score against us in the FA Cup, which is uh, brilliant. Uh, in midfield, Ashley Westwood has played every league for Burnley this season. And no player no player in the Burnley team puts in more passes with him than with him with 53 per game. And he has two assists this season. A classic Burnley-type centre mid, says Stato. Wigan Dwight McNeil has been successful coming out of Burnley's academy. He has one goal and three assists so far this season for the 21-year-old winger. And their striker, Chris Wood, is their top scorer this season with only four goals. But he's currently out injured and not... And, oh, he is currently out injured and we're not 100% sure if he's going to be fit to face us. Uh, the other strikers are Ashley Barnes, who has two goals this season, but he has been a bit injury prone. Uh, Jay Rodriguez with one goal and one assist. And Vidra, zero goals or assists for a player who is probably a lot more pro- prolific in the championship, although he did play very well against us in the FA Cup. Very good. All right, well, we're going to keep the, the Burnley preview nice and brief tonight. So let's quickly come on to your starting lineups. Ben, would you change anything? Uh, I mean, that's not for me. That's for Parker to decide, really. But he's the tactical genius here, not me. But, I mean, it's difficult to change well, anything from that. What, what genius What genius are you, then? Uh I, I probably shouldn't disclose that information on the public podcast. Um, probably for the best. Yeah, I plead the fifth. Um, <laughs> we, we, um, I don't think we need to change anything. We might you know, look at um, bringing Robinson back in. I'm not sure if... Was he on the bench tonight? Was he injured? Or no, he's on the bench. On the bench. We might look at bringing him back in because we might have a bit more of the ball, but I don't need to change anything. It worked well. Yeah, but it's just a different it's a different animal, Burnley, isn't it? They're they're a more physical side. Yeah, I, I think I'd put Anguissa in for Lamina, but that would be my only change. I think Aina's a bit more defensive than Robinson, and I feel like he's even though Robinson's I think taller, Aina seems to win more in the air, really, than Robinson does. And I just think Anguissa will probably bring a bit more energy in midfield than Lamina. But I still don't. I still hope that that means Reed can push forward a bit, and they hopefully they're both players box to box, not just one of them pushing forward and one of them staying back. But yeah, I think Anguissa can work. You know, he's quite a physical player. I think he's six foot or something. Their midfield a good battle, and obviously Harrison Reed, he doesn't mind getting stuck in. So 
I'd just put Anguissa in for Lamina and keep the rest. I wonder when um, Alexander Mitrovic was uh, diagnosed with with COVID. You know, I wonder whether he'll still be self isolating for this one because this is the sort of game, isn't it? Burnley away, where you want Mitrovic? Yeah, Mitro and Madja playing up top together—that would be good against Burnley. Definitely would. Yeah, it really. Yeah, against those big centre halves, I think. But then it could be the game where he gets wound up and gets shut out of the game. So. Maybe we want those smaller, quicker players keep on the floor. But I think Mitra and Madrid up top would be quite nice to see before the season's over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's come on to a score prediction then. Will, what do you reckon? We're gonna we're gonna break two hoodoos in one week. Yeah, I'm gonna say one nil win. I'm confident. I've I'm usually confident, but I've never been more confident. I really think we can grab the win. I mean, look, Burnley's defence is ridiculously solid, but the way we play today, we played it along the floor. We don't need, I mean, well, I love Mitrovic, but, you know, we, we need these quick, skillful players. And if we can do it against Everton's defence, who who are great, I think we can do it against Burnley's. I really do. I um, I think it, like it's going to be close. No matter what, it's going to be close. It's going to be one goal in it, nothing more. I think, I hope we can nick that first one and keep it tight and, I mean, I want to say 4-5-0, but I'll take 1-0. <laughs> I'll take 1-0 for every game to the rest of the season, if that's what yeah. it takes. Um, yeah, yeah. Nervy, nervous, squeaky bum time from the 80th minute onwards every week. I'll take it. You just look at the the way that they... Was it the, the way they picked off Aston Villa a couple of weeks ago when Villa were winning and they just came back and turned them over and Villa are having a better season than ours. So I don't, I don't think just because he scored the first goal against Burnley, because they've got that that physical threat and that attacking threat from set pieces that we just don't have, let's be honest. Um, it's, it's never over. You you need a bit of a cushion to, to be comfortable. And that's why yeah. it was so nice against Everton, actually, to, to get that second goal and, and just have a bit of a cushion going into the last 20 minutes or so. It's like, oh, it this, this isn't what normally happens. Yeah, yeah, this isn't what normally happens. Yeah. This will do. That, that Villa game against um, Burnley, I think the expected goals were something like 0.7 to... Burnley and something like three to Villa, and it finished three to Burnley. Hmm. Like they just they just score every season. They do it. They just score goals, yeah. win games, and no one knows how. It's incredible. But yeah, Chris Chris Wood's got that knack, hasn't he, of just popping up and being an irritating fucker. Well, yeah, I mean, he's had that since he was a Leeds player. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, most, that's true. most of them do. Most Northerners are like that. Bloody Northerners, eh? Yeah. All right, let's leave it there then, lads. Thanks for joining me. J-Mac will be back with all the fallout from that Burnley game on Thursday morning. Until then, have a fantastic week and speak to you soon. Cheers. Fulham.